the music of American composer Kenneth Fuchs. Presto is a production of New England Public Radio. I'm John Nowacki. Composer and conductor Kenneth Fuchs is a professor of composition at the University of Connecticut at Storrs. He received his Bachelor of Music degree in composition from the University of Miami and his Master of Music and Doctorate of Musical Arts degrees in composition from Juilliard. His composition teachers included Milton Babbitt, David Del Tredici, David Diamond, Vincent Persichetti, and Alfred Reed. He's received numerous awards and honors, including the Charles E. Ives Scholarship, grants from Meet the Composer and the ASCAP Foundation, and residencies at the McDowell Colony and Yaddo. Dr. Fuchs, welcome. Thanks, John. It's great to be here. In a recent interview, you were asked to define the quote-unquote American sound. I was wondering if you could tell people just what that is or how you see that and how do you see your music fitting in? I always say that a composer's voice is often found in the chord voicing, how a composer voices the pitches in harmony. Obviously, eventually they're orchestrated. And I fell under the influence of the American Symphonic School when I was in high school, actually. I fell in love with the music of Aaron Copland and David Diamond and Walter Piston and Vincent Persichetti, Ned Roram. Leonard Bernstein. It's such a glorious body of work. And when I heard that music and really started to listen to it and absorb it, I wanted to carry that legacy forward. So the American sound, uh, what is it? When we hear Copland, we think that's American because of the way the chords are voiced, that open spacing and the uses of dissonances, seconds and sevenths and ninths. And when we hear Gershwin, that sounds mm. uniquely American. It all comes from the harmony and the resultant melodies that are developed. How do you fit into that? Framework? Well, I wanted to speak in that language in my own voice, but I certainly didn't want to imitate them. I think my music, it grows out of that body of work. A lot of it, which itself comes from the American popular songbook. You have written for many different combinations of instruments. What do you find most satisfying? When I was an undergraduate student at the University of Miami, as you mentioned, I studied with a man named Alfred Reed. And Alfred was a master composer of band music. He was considered one of the two or three best composers of band music in the mid to late 20th century, certainly a master orchestrator for winds. So I learned from a master how to write for band. My favorite group is, you know, the piece I'm working on at the moment, but I'm very <laughs> grateful to be able to write for various combinations of instruments and chamber groupings. I love to compose string quartets. I've written five so far, and I'm yeah. thinking about a sixth. How would you say your music has changed or developed over the years? When I started at Juilliard, the music I was writing then, not surprisingly, is very different than what I write now, but it was distinctly different because at the end of the 1970s and certainly throughout the 1980s, we had in certainly American symphonic music what we sometimes call the return to romanticism. And I knew that's where I wanted to wind up, to write expressive and directly communicative music. And that was not a very popular thing to yeah, do at yeah. the beginning of the 80s. And at Juilliard, with that faculty, although they encouraged the student composers to develop their own voices, of course, 
But still, in the face of Babbitt and Carter and Sessions especially, to come in with music that was distinctly tonal and romantic in expression was tough to do. It took a couple of years to get the courage till I finally said, this is what I really want to do. So by the end of my nine years at Juilliard, I was just kind of scratching at the surface of the kind of music that I wanted to write. It took another 10 years to find that voice that we've been talking about. It was quite a journey for me to compose in the voice that I compose in now and feel very comfortable. In a way, you were almost swimming against the current of the Abs- time. Absolutely. And at the beginning of the 1980s, there was no such thing as Meet the Composer or the American Composers Forum or support groups for aspiring composers. It's very different today for young aspiring composers in terms of the kind of support and encouragement they routinely receive. When I was in school, it was it was different. It was a tough, tough yeah. road. Interesting you bring that up because in your role as a teacher, you work with students in composition. What do you look for and how do you work with a student in composition? I love to teach and I love my students at UConn, but it is interesting to see from student to student how they develop The goal for me during the undergraduate teaching experience is for them to have composed, as Vincent Persichetti said to me, one of everything, a string quartet (laughs) movement, a brass quintet movement, a woodwind quintet, piano works, a couple of songs with voice and piano, and a five-minute piece for orchestra or band, a large ensemble piece. And and that's the goal. And that takes a while. You have made several recordings for the Noxus label, and each CD has a painting reproduced on the cover. It was December of 1983. I saw a television program called Helen Frankenthaler Toward a New Climate. And it was a half-hour documentary about Helen Frankenthaler, the abstract expressionist painter who emerged in New York City in the early 1950s. And Helen came along and she developed this fabulous way of painting where she would take raw canvas, have it on the floor of her studio, and she would walk around it, dance around it, apply the painting, pour the paint, use a house brush, use a sponge to create these fabulous, colorful, but abstract images. And she became very famous for them. And I was so impressed by that. Her freewheeling sense of creative freedom really spoke to me. And I thought this is a way out or Mm. way in for me into my own creative world. So I wrote her a very detailed letter, just as I had with uh, several of the composers whom I started corresponding with. And she wrote back immediately. And she said, you know, I have a show coming up at the Emmerich Gallery on 57th Street. Why don't you come to the opening? So I went to the gallery. And as I walked into the gallery, the very first painting I saw was called Out of the Dark. And that changed my life. When I saw that painting, I said, that's what I want to do in music. And... I spent a few months thinking about this, studying her painting, going to galleries, and I took three of her pictures that I liked. One was called Heart of November, Out of the Dark, which I had just seen at the gallery opening, and Summer Banner. And I put these three paintings together, and the titles of the paintings worked for me visually together, and I thought, I'm going to compose a piece inspired by these gestures. Some of them were very turbulent, 
And the other gestures are absolutely serene and open and suggested a very minimalist kind of music. And I let my mind wander as I compose that work. And uh, the work is called Out of the Dark, which was entirely appropriate for where I was musically at the time. I was searching for a way to find my own voice. And I wrote to Helen and told her what I had done. She was absolutely thrilled. And my dear friend Joanne Folletta, who was my classmate at Juilliard, conducted the premiere of Out of the Dark. And it was one of the pieces we put on my first LSO disc. Thank you for mentioning Joanne because she has also recorded your latest disc on the Naxos label, which is where you were in August with the London Symphony Orchestra and soloists. Could you talk about that disc? Well, in a year from this time. I don't want to wait. Neither do I. (laughs) But uh, in September of 2018, your listeners will get to hear it. Joanne Folletta and I went to London for the fifth time to record my fifth recording with the London Symphony Orchestra for Naxos at Abbey Road Studios. Composers, aside from being creators, also have to be entrepreneurs. And it's important for composers to be sure that their music is preserved on recording, as well as through performance. And the five discs that Joanne and I have done over the last 14 years will preserve now and forever, I guess, a broad cross-section of my orchestral music, my music for voice and orchestra and concerti that I've composed. The most recent disc includes four concerti, and they're quite different. The first is my piano concerto, which is subtitled Spiritualist After Three Paintings by Helen Frankenthaler. We also have a concerto for electric guitar and orchestra, as I mentioned earlier, called Glacier with uh, the wonderful DJ Spar as our soloist. My saxophone concerto, Rush, with the fantastic Timothy McAllister as our star soloist, and an orchestral cycle for countertenor and orchestra based on 12 poems of the American poet Judith G. Wolfe. And our wonderful countertenor is a young fellow who's just burst onto the scene, R.E.A. Nussbaum-Cohen. Which I think was amazing because the story behind that was that he initially wasn't singing that piece, if I remember right. <laughs> we had another countertenor lined up to premiere the work, and as often happens with singers, was suddenly at the very last moment indisposed. And R.E.A. had just won the Metropolitan Opera Council auditions. Three weeks later, he was standing on the stage with the Virginia Symphony Orchestra and Joanne Folletta giving the world premiere of of Poems of Life. Just amazing. And so now he's on the recording, which is also did the recording in London. Unfortunately, we don't have that recording available right now, but we'll have to have you back. This is so much fun. I look forward to coming back. I think it'd be great. Kind of to wrap up a little bit, would you select maybe two works, maybe three works at the most that are favorites of yours Mm -hmm. and maybe explain why and we'll give people a chance to hear those particular works. Great. I mentioned my saxophone concerto, Rush. That's an interesting piece in my canon because it was commissioned by a consortium of 25 saxophonists and they asked that I do a version for symphonic band and also orchestra. Tim McAllister recorded the orchestral version with the LSO. And I would like your listeners to hear the band version performed so wonderfully by Greg Case, who is the principal saxophonist of the United States Coast Guard Band right here in New London, Connecticut, just down the street from us, basically. I'm very grateful to the Coast Guard Band and their commander, Adam Williamson, who are in the process of recording a disc of my band music for Noxo. So an 
about a year and a half, we'll have another disc out, which is all of my band music. I want your listeners to hear Rush, and it's a two-movement work. The first movement is called Evening, the second movement is called Morning. And the guest conductor on the disc is Dr. Jeffrey Renshaw, who is my colleague at the University of Connecticut. All right, let's give it a listen.
Thank mm-hmm. you. 
So I've been listening to Rush, two movements, Evening and Morning, taken from the disc Forever Free, the music of Kenneth Fuchs, and that's with the American Composer Series, the United States Coast Guard Band. Ken, what about another? Would you pick another piece that is one of your favorites? I'd like your listeners to hear an orchestral work that I composed in 2008 called Atlantic Ribboned from one of my recordings with the London Symphony Orchestra conducted by Joanne Folletta. When I was a, a young boy, I was born in northeastern New Jersey, and in the 60s, where my mother used to take me to New York Harbor to see the great ocean liners of the 20th century. I was enthralled by <laughs> these magnificent ships, the Queen Mary, the Queen Elizabeth, the France, the Raffaello, and and the ship that captured my heart and imagination was the SS United States. And the United States has a very significant history. It was launched in 1952, designed by William Francis Gibbs, one of the premier maritime architects of the 20th century. And the SS United States became instantly world famous because on its maiden voyage, it broke the speed record for the fastest transatlantic crossing. It also broke the speed record in its return to New York from Southampton, and it captured the Blue Ribboned, which had for nearly 15 years been held by the Queen Mary. This was worldwide news, and I was so impressed by that. First of all, the beauty of the ship, but the speed and the elegance and grace of the ship. I wanted to try and capture that in musical sound and gesture. Here's the London Symphony Orchestra and Joanne Folletta conducting Atlantic Ribbon.
So we've been listening to Atlantic Ribboned, Kenneth Fuchs's tribute to the SS United States, Joanne Folletta conducting the London Symphony Orchestra. Ken, maybe one more. I'd like your listeners to hear a six-minute work that I composed, especially for the LSO, entitled United Artists. The title is taken from the name of the film company, United Artists. But what is significant about that film company is that it was founded in 1919 by Mary Pickford, Douglas Fairbanks Jr., and several other artists. And they were seeking independence in their creative life and in their work as actors. And they wanted to have a company that they could control. And that was so interesting to me because the London Symphony Orchestra is a self-governed orchestra. And I thought, what better way to celebrate the brilliance (laughs) of this group of virtuoso musicians? And so that's what I was thinking about when I composed the work for them. It's not about the film company, but it's about the LSO and their pioneering spirit and musical sound. Once again, the London Symphony Orchestra and United Artists.
You've been listening to Joanne Folletta conducting the London Symphony Orchestra in United Artists by Kenneth Fuchs. Ken, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for coming by. I can't say it enough. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And you've got to come back. Thank you so much, John. Also, on behalf of all of the contemporary composers whose music you broadcast, thank you. We couldn't do it without you. I've been talking with composer Kenneth Fuchs. Ken, again, thank you for coming by. I'm John Nowacki. Let us know what you think about Presto. Review us on Apple Podcasts or send an email to radio at nepr.net. The executive producer of Presto is John Vosey. Presto is a production of New England Public Radio.